Hi guys, it's Alex once again from Remote Work Life. Thank you for joining me once again. Today I have another special guest I have with me today, Luke Shermer. Now, Luke has been in the world of remote work for a number of years. And as you know, we only uh, really accept and speak to people who have an in-depth knowledge uh, in remote work because I think that's the way we can learn best and how we can you know, through sharing what we've learned, sharing what we've what we practice on a day-to-day basis, from learning from learning from those who know the world of remote work best. And Luke has managed or participated in remote-only knowledge work teams for almost a decade. And most recently, he led a program of approximately 30 distributed people across 13 time zones and eight different locations. Over the last nine years, he's led teams building software, running marketing and sales and launched a best-selling book as well at the same time called Align Remotely. So look out for that. In many cases with people he's been working with, have been he's never met them or spoke to them in person. And I mean, th- that's something really special in terms of the whole, the whole lot in terms of what Luke has, has done, which, as I said, why I wanted to get him on the programme today. So Luke, thank you for joining us today. And you're very, very welcome. Yeah, Alex, it's it's really it's really a great pleasure. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, so I'm glad to glad to be, glad to chat. And Luke is a, not only is he a fellow podcaster as well. Actually, um, I think what you should do as well is look out for Luke at launch tomorrow, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as the show goes on. Um, but launch tomorrow is 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 Luke's main venture at the moment, and. Today, on today's show, we're going to talk about why companies struggle with remote productivity. That's a, a big topic. I mean, especially in an office, productivity tends to be uh, monitored at an individual level, but actually the impact on a business depends on how well teams work together. And I, I think, Luke, um, I think you can really share some, some of your w- pearls of wisdom with us today to kind of reveal not only how you do it, but also how many of the people that or many of the businesses that you work with are, are do, doing it as well so it's brilliant absolutely but my first question did you envision 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 can't get my words out envision yourself in your current role and i mean tell us how you reached where you are today sure absolutely so i was at one company for many years that became increasingly remote and kind of worked through various roles there over time. Initially, I was more of a line contributor, eventually became more of a manager um, and uh, and got remote teams to run, initially small teams and larger teams. And I think pre-pandemic, most of the people that I talked to, uh, if, if we were talking about work over, over beers or something, they were just amazed or surprised that it's possible to run remote teams and build complex things like software, like with everybody completely remote. Uh, well, at least outside of the software industry, to be fair. Um, and uh, yeah, and then basically, like as soon as the as soon as the pandemic hit, it was like I, I felt like I had a lot of experience built up over the years, uh, or scar tissue, however you want to call it. And you know, it's uh, these were things that I thought would be helpful for people because at the time there was lots of you know 
listicles of 37 tools to help you go remote kind of, you know, if you think back to like March or April of last year, there was like a whole bunch of things like that. And I think in practice, I, I felt other things were actually more important that eventually people would kind of realize that or, or come across certain things, which I'd already experienced in the past, which, which I could help share with. Um, and I think the, the key thing actually, I think for me was the mindset that, you know, that, that productivity as a team matters a lot more than as an individual. And I think in an office, it's easy to kind of fall back to, you know, are people showing up? Are they, are they sitting at their computer? Are they doing things? And, you know, for some type of work, maybe, maybe that's good enough. But I think especially when, when you're in a remote setting, you've got to get kind of deeper into how the actual team works together to really get to the bottom of, of, um, of, of, of how to get things done, basically. Mm-hmm. So for you then, when you started working remotely, was that by, by, by design or was it just, just, you know, just your, your preference? Was that your preference or by design? It was, it was kind of by accident. Uh, so what happened was that I realized that I was working with a team of remote people sitting in London. And in fact, I think at one point, even though I had, I think at the time around 13 people, I was the only one in London. And uh, for personal reasons, we thought it would be good to go back, move move back to to Warsaw to be closer to family. You know, I have a daughter, uh, wanted her to have closer contact to family. And, you know, in fact, it was completely optional that I was physically in London. I mean, it, it, some of my stakeholders were there, but I, you know, I agreed with them that I'd fly in when needed and, you know, set up a couple of flights after I moved, but it it just kind of evolved from there. And then it just became, uh, the way, the way things worked while I was, you know, with this company, uh, full time. And then over time it, 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 evolved out into just doing various bits of, of kind of remote work, remote consulting, um, and it kind of went from there. So, And as with, well, with many people when, when they're uh, starting out remote, not just individuals, but, but, but teams, um, there, are, there, there can be various challenges, I guess, various different things that remote work can sort of um, throw up I guess sometimes unexpectedly what's been your biggest challenge and how have you been able to, to overcome that to, to really build the business that you that you that you built today I think I think the biggest challenge especially initially was around shifting the the culture that I was in the company culture that I was in which is relatively let's say traditional and hierarchical into accepting more things like facilitation. And part of that uh, was just things that I was doing outside with other companies and bringing it in kind of on the side. And part of that was just me literally stepping out of my own, for lack of a better term, comfort zone, kind of being within the way things are and being willing to change things. Um, and 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 push things a bit and i think in in a way this is this is one of the ways the the pandemic has actually been a good thing because i think a lot of a lot of the assumptions that were very entrenched that 
uh, I, I had to work against, I think, were put into question, so it was easier to do that. I think also by the time uh, this was this was happening last year, the tools to be able to do that to facilitate groups, group meetings, workshops online were much more mature than they were, say, five years ago, for example, um, where you you, you know, you have big online whiteboards and you can fully kind of prototype, plan out entire, you know, complicated systems uh, on a, you know, on a, admittedly on a call together, but, but you can really get into quite deep, deep things. And there's, you know, there's certain things you lose doing this online versus in person, but there's also a lot of things you gain. Um, and, and to some some extent, it's tools, but it's also just this whole idea that, as a as a manager, my primary role, my mindset was that I need to be a facilitator and not kind of an executor. And I think, particularly in a remote context, that that really helps a lot. Where you know, you assume people want to be there, they want to be doing their job, and it's all about helping them come together to achieve what it is that the company wants them to achieve. Um, and of course, if there are blockers, then go figure out, uh, figure out what they are together and then, you know, try to unblock it for them or help them do it themselves, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, a, it is a slightly different mindset, uh, yeah. and to some extent skill set too. Yeah. And I think, well, the fact that you evolved into that, that manager is, 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 yeah, it is a mindset, but also I suppose you have to be willing to change as well, don't you, in terms of the, the way you were and the way you are. So there's that challenge as well. I think one of my biggest challenges when I first started working remotely was um, pe- the perception that my clients had of me not, not having an office. They, they you know, they... So when I told them, you know, I, I work remotely, I work from a from here, that literally here, there, and everywhere. So the, the, the first question to me would be, so um, where, where's your office? How can we, you know, how can we uh, sort of get in touch with you? And I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can use my phone, or you can Skype me, or you can use, you know, Zoom, that sort of thing. That was my biggest, one of my biggest challenges. But obviously, that's now no longer a challenge because I've literally An issue. working remotely. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But no, that's that's interesting. Yours, yours was more around sort of the the mindset and the facilitation as opposed to managerial side. And I think a lot of people actually now are still, a lot of managers are coming to terms with that. Um, trying to be, I suppose it, it takes being a bit more, I suppose at the heart of it, it takes trust, doesn't it? Trusting who you work with, trusting your team. Would you say? Yes, it does. Uh, it takes trust. It takes, um, um it does it does take skills although you can learn them as you go uh i think also so i think yeah i mean i think with the trust the tr- i mean if, speaking of trust i mean i think the with the trust component i think one of the big challenges with trust is in in an environment where you don't have very clear objectives or there's like multiple people that are trying to define what the company's supposed to do, it's not very clear. Therefore, it's not clear who's accountable. It's not clear um, how things are going to happen. And then in that in that context, it's very difficult to 
have a trusting relationship in, in every direction, above you and below you, so to speak. Um, because then it's like, you know, what, it, what, it, what is it that people are actually doing? Are they actually doing it? Are they doing something that matters? Like, you, you've got to work out how, how, to, how, how to get that trust. And I think, you know, the, the easiest way that, that I've managed to do that is to always, every time I get into this kind of a situation, is to, as quickly as possible, first of all, clarify the objectives so everyone is, is clear on what it is that's going on. And usually it's just like getting things to be internally consistent and like really kind of string people at, <laughs> at the initial meetings to figure out, you know, how, how it all comes together. And then in terms of the actual trust bit, it's, it's um, trying to divide up the work into small enough pieces that you can see that people are working through them. They're collaborating to kind of work through each of the pieces and to allow them to, to, allow them to come together and create the space for them to come together, come together when needed, but not force them to be in, you know, zoom, doom and, <laughs> and, you know, monitoring and, and because that, that if anything, it erodes trust, right? It's, it's a sign of lack of trust, so to speak. And I mean, it, I think meetings in general are kind of, they're not, they're not corporate culture. They're, they're not the only part of corporate culture, but I think they're the most visible part and the one that's the most related to how an employee experiences a company culture. Um, and that kind of goes back to why I think that facilitation is so important. Cause I think if you, if you, I mean, of course, n not every meeting needs to be a workshop, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but I mean more just that when you are organizing a meeting, it's, it's planned, it's thought through, uh, workshop participants, like meeting participants, uh, figuring out exactly how, how it needs to work during, during the whole thing. Um, and creating a space for people to explore, and then and then and then on the on the on the flip side, coming to a decision. I mean, to some extent, this is similar to running a normal meeting, but when you move it into an online environment, you know, there's uh, it, it, it is it is a different experience than when you're all in a room together. Um, and uh, yeah, and then being able to use things like, for example. Uh, going back to whiteboards, right? So you've got people, you could, there could be one person talking, a couple of people updating post-its, another person uh, organizing, making like arrows or, or boxes or something. And uh, so it's like this multimedia experience, right? You've got the visual, you've got things moving, you're touching things, you're moving things around, you're, and everyone's doing it at once, right? Whereas if, if you just have, you know, the like the Brady Bunch, uh, the Brady Bunch style Zoom setup, and, you know, one person speaks for a minute at a time, like most people are going to be disconnecting because they just, you know, it's, it just doesn't feel as relevant. They don't feel like they're part of it. Whereas if you really create a space where people can all take action at the same time and talk about things at the same time and really get at, you know, what's the actual problem we're solving? How are we going to do it? Um, then that, then that, I think eventually leads to a much better experience for employees, but also better outcomes really for the company too. Yeah. And no, I think um, there's a lot, a lot of companies, not, not just the, the ones that are nearly remote, but um, even the existing ones that are continually learning how to do things, how to, you know, how to work best. And there's a lot of collaboration where that's concerned. And again, when I first started working, I was mostly, 
working remotely alone, a lot of the things, but I mean, obviously work, working alone, but working within sort of different, collaborating with different areas and different people. A lot of the things that I did or, you know, the, I suppose the, the IT I used or the, I suppose the, the ways in which I worked, I, I learned as I went along um, mm. and often made mistakes myself, quite, quite big mistakes sometimes. And I, I, there came a point actually where I, I, I became really isolated and felt like I was just sort of, I don't know, stagnating in my learning. And it was only through, I suppose, in a way, by accident, I started to sort of reach out to other people to speak to them and le- learn about what they were doing. And in fact, this is how the, the Remote Work Life podcast came about, through those conversations. And that's how mm. I sort of continue to learn. How, how do you, you know, in, a, in your, your sort of context, how do you continue with your learning and your development? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the two main topics that I, I focus on are, are innovation or new product development and, and, and remote work. And I think the, in terms of learning, the, I think the, the really useful rule of thumb that's really helped me a lot is only learning things that are directly related to one specific thing that I'm working on right now. Uh, so that I'm not just, you know, kid in a candy store picking up all these little interesting tidbits all over the place so that it's related to something that I'm actually doing. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the practice, the, the practice, I mean, it's, 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 you know, usually I'm reading, I'm listening to things like podcasts or audiobooks or something, and then trying to figure out how I can run a small experiment or help a team run, run a small experiment uh, around around the thing that I'm trying to solve. And um, yeah, and by experiment, it it doesn't need to be like this big formal thing where we're, you know, the hypothesis and, and, and all of that, but, but it's more like if I make a small change, um, how, how's that going to change how the team works, how things are, things are going to happen. Um, so for example, um, one of, one of, one of, one of my favorite series of experiments were around meetings and doing things like, you know, canceling meetings, moving to completely like this kind of operation meeting that, that, that like development teams have, uh, moving them to occasional ones, moving them to, you know, Slack based ones. Uh, all kinds of iterations around that and getting the right environment for that particular set of individuals to come together and work effectively instead of telling them that you must meet at, you know, 1 p.m. GMT every day and, and you know, all, you know, all, all of that kind of thing. Um, so, again, it, it's around creating that collaborative environment that helps them work together and, uh, and yeah, and, and finish bits of work quickly, effectively, right? And talking about meetings, obviously, I mean, meetings are, yeah, they're important, but it's important to get meetings right and making sure that you're being as productive as you can without, like you said, the Zoom, the Zoom doom, the, 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 the so much, so many things, or so many uh, apps you can use to meet people these days aren't there's so many that you can use that literally will do the same thing but you see and you hear online lots of people complaining about 
how how often they're meeting and what they're talking about during meetings, meetings going on over time and meetings sort of basically enveloping the whole day and not allowing them to do the work that they want to do. How, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about, Luke, how you do it within, again, within your context, but how do you, how do you go about making sure or getting the meetings right for you and your team? So the, there is a place for meetings, whereas in, in terms of, you know, deciding things and coming together to decide really important things that need to happen quickly, I think the, the challenge has been for a lot of companies now with, with, with the pandemic, with, with the large amount of meetings, is that meetings are being used uh, for example, or misappropriated, I guess is the word, right? So using for tracking status, whereas, you know, you can, or um, kind of trying to create deadlines, so create false urgency by, you know, scheduling a meeting on Friday so, this is, this is, so that a piece of work is done by Friday, that kind of thing, as opposed to genuinely being used to come together and decide things, celebrate things. And there's a lot of work which is done into meetings, which in fact could be done asynchronously. So it could be done um, based on, you know, writing something up, uh, having someone else look at it, you know, more email, more like it doesn't, it doesn't need to all always be, uh, everyone physically getting together just to talk about every little detail. And I think the, um, the art and science of it is, is like figuring out when you do have a workflow of meetings, like which meetings are necessary, which meetings aren't. And, um, and then how of the meetings that aren't, what are other ways or better ways that you can, uh, that you can achieve the same goal without, organizing a meeting or a regular meeting, basically. Um, and I think, again, a lot of this goes back to really having clear objectives, because if you have that, and then you take each meeting, you know, you go through your Outlook calendar and you look at, you know, is, is this particular meeting helping me achieve this particular objective that I have, uh, or any of these three objectives that I have? And if the answer is no, then it's like, well, First of all, do we need it at all? If we don't, uh, if we don't cancel it, obviously. Uh, if we still need something about it, is there another way of achieving that? Right. Uh, so just having people email you, you know, what they did today, for example, or um, or this week, or, or something. Uh, if if it is status, right? Or uh, so coming up with with creative ways of addressing the actual business need without necessarily defaulting to a meeting. Uh, and, and yeah, it does require a good amount of self-awareness of the companies and the individuals in the companies to do that. But I think the ones who do get it right, you know, you, you can have most of, most of the week relatively free of meetings. And uh, if, you know, particularly when we're talking about, you know, within a larger company and, and, you know, you're organizing the work, like you, I don't, necessarily think you need that many um but again it's very industry context specific so yeah. um it just you know it's case by case basis no definitely 
and it can really i mean i've spoken to people who it can really sap the life out of literally sap the life and energy from you when you're going from one meeting to another and um speaking to somebody the other day who will remain nameless but um he was literally spending two three hours sometimes a day in just in meetings and by mm. the time he'd finished by the time he'd finished the meeting he was so exhausted he wasn't able to do wasn't able to do the work he was supposed to be doing or at least he wasn't at his at the point where he he was at his best to do the work and I think it just got out of control but I think he's getting on top of it now and he's, he's I gave him a bit of advice because I think what he was doing was um he, he actually wasn't sharing his calendar enough I think people were just booking stuff in here there and everywhere and into literally with overlapping with his um with his work time so he's starting to, to get a solution now but I know there's lots of people out there who are really struggling and it can, like I said, it can really take the life out of people and you can take the fun out of, of, of work as well. Cause I mean, you can't just be working all the time. You have to have a bit of downtime. It has to be a bit of fun, you know, because that, that after all is, is what helps you to, well, in many teams, in many cultures, not just, not all cultures, but it can help to really bring people together. Um, how do you organize your team or a team how would you recommend organizing a team so that it's effective engaged and fun so i think in terms of fun i think fun is the in a way the the starting point so i think usually there's there's a number of things that the team is aware of that that aren't maybe quite so fun like things that are holding them back um, and, uh, again, coming from the assumption that people, you know, want to do a good job, work through, identify all of those things, put them in one place on a, on a shared spreadsheet or on some kind of a backlog and go through, go through them one by one. Um, then, uh, I think together with the team design, design some kind of a, a process for how, how they do the work so that they get so they get real time uh information as to how they're doing so so what i mean by this is there's um i i guess i'm trying to think um uh, how to do it in a in a non soft for a way or a non-manufacturing way. I mean, so, so I guess the way that I think about it is that you have a, a unit of thing that uh, if, you, if you want to create something like, I don't know, say a bicycle, how do you, how quickly you can get the whole team to create that bicycle and then, and then the next one and then the next one and then you've got a time of how long it takes to create a bicycle, right? So that bicycle can be whatever it is that your company works on uh, and then that gives you some kind of a number that everyone's aware of it's relatively objective and then you can use it to help work with the team in a fun way in my opinion uh maybe 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 i'm biased but so that you you know you you, you work together to try to improve how long it takes to make that bicycle um and and then as part of as part of that come up with ways of you know automating things documenting things uh, you know, you can get creative in terms of how to do that. Um, and, um, yeah, I, that, I mean, I think that's, that, that 
combination of things I think gets people engaged and in fact you know they they want to create a place of work where they enjoy working and I think it's it's very much up to the team leader to to organize that um and uh, and to do so very consciously and explicitly and I think that combination of things is probably a way to to do exactly that so and on that I mean, talking about work and obviously and I was talking about my giving your you my example of of the guy who literally has his life sapped from him from all these meetings and it's affected and it overlapped into his day-to-day work and then before he knew it the work he was supposed to have done on that day was going into the next day and so so on and so forth and he was just really having a hard time he was struggling with his productivity um like so one of the things i recommended to him was basically get his get his diary right get his you know shared calendar right and setting out what he was going to do the day before. I mean, all, all the basic stuff, but do you have any, I mean, why do companies, um, in your opinion, Luke, uh, often get productivity wrong? I mean, it was a big example that I gave you just now, but why do you think that, that they get productivity wrong? So I think just off the back of the example that you're talking about, I mean, the 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 insight that i find really useful is from from a guy named paul graham who wrote who's a, a vc uh from back in the day but 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 basically for at the individual level there's there's people who are managers and who like being managers and the productivity is based on meetings and decisions and then there's people who are creative and they create things and they work on things mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the the challenge companies have is because the two sides are assuming things about each other that aren't necessarily true. <laughs> so uh, particularly managers assuming that people who want to do, want to do the work, right? So this is essentially a, a discussion of getting the balance right between doing the work versus thinking about the work that, or talking about the work that needs to be done. Um, and usually the way to, the way to diagnose this in my in my opinion is to basically make sure there's enough war enough time to actually do the work and if if that means using something as simple as a time block in outlook where you know uh these these three hours you know don't 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 schedule a meeting on on top of this and then anyone who tries to say no right so set that boundary so then you've got those three hours where you can go and actually do the work that that you want to do or that you're expected to do depending on the context where others are expecting you to do um at the same time you do you don't want to completely block out you know eight hours a day of that and 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 just go off into your own little corner and do your thing because what you're doing if you're working in a team context might not sync well with what everyone else is doing if everybody's sitting in their own corner doing their own thing. So it is a balance, right? Um, and um, I think, yeah, looking looking at, at people's calendars when you're in a team context is is a good place to start in terms of having that discussion and getting uh, getting the right mix there. No, thank you. 
it's interesting. I, like I said, this this I couldn't believe it when um again talking about this guy that it wasn't really the they just started working remotely. But they weren't used to it to be to be fair to them. So, but they didn't have they didn't even share calendars. They didn't literally didn't share anything. They didn't have any sort of cloud based things like Google Drive or anything like that that they were using. It was just all desk, you know, all on their desktop. And they were suddenly into a situation where they're having to change all their working practices and their, you know, their mindset. And it was a bit of a panic. I mean, I think they're, they're slowly but surely getting to grips with it and crawling their way, making their way through it. And I mean, they are, they are, they're doing a good job, but um, it's, uh, it's, it is, I have to say, it's taking its toll. But no, uh, Luke, Thank you so much. Tell, tell us um, a bit more about the uh, launch tomorrow and what, what you're doing at the moment and what your plans are for the foreseeable yeah. future. Sure. So uh, so launch tomorrow is kind of the, the innovation consulting thing that I did spinning off. I also wrote a book specifically on, on idea testing, market testing. Uh, initially, that was the first book. And then this uh, so, I, so I still do help companies with that. Sometimes it's startups, sometimes it's larger companies where there are larger teams that need to be run. Um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, Align Remotely is kind of more just the remote work stuff, uh, the, uh, the second book. And um, yeah, so it, it's at this point, it, it's all kind of melded into one, to be honest, <laughs> as as it has for many people. I, I don't think I'm unique in that in that particular in that particular sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think I think the, the the creativity, the distributed creativity piece, is the one that that people um, find find reasonably hard, and I think that's the that that's the piece that I think is is really. Uh, where where I feel like I'm, I'm most helpful to companies uh, mm-hmm. at the moment, um, figuring out how to how to get groups of people to be creative when they when they can't physically be together in in one workshop room. <laughs> so so yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty much uh, launch tomorrow in a nutshell. And you can find launch tomorrow at www.launchtomorrow.com. I definitely recommend having a look at that. We're going to include that in the show notes as well. But Luke, um, Luke Shimmer, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for joining me today on the Remote Work Live podcast. We're looking out for what you're doing. And um, yeah, it's been, been great having you today. Yeah, thanks, Alex. It's been a lot of fun.